So on this episode of the Leadersmith podcast, I have a real treat for you. I have an uh, a creative genius, a creative artist who will be helping us understand how he sees the world and how he can help you see the world and your business more effectively. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so in this episode, I have Randy with me. Randy is the... Uh, the creative genius behind the visual brand. He's a brand strategist, creative director with over 25 years in marketing and innovation. Randy has worked as a corporate facilitator, consumer insights specialist, and creative strategist, played a key role in all kinds of marketing innovations. Tell, tell us first, what, what is a corporate facilitator? What is a consumer insights specialist? What is a creative strategist for people who don't know? So uh, that's my attempt to say that I'm very right brain, left brain, and it's sort of what we do. So uh, my business, you know, has always been, and my, my firm has been focused on, uh, as I say, new products and services. Innovation is a word that gets overused, like marketing does sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's basically when somebody wants to do something really new. And that doesn't mean just create another flavor of something exists or extend something that's, that they're already doing. And so because of that, we have to use a right brain and left brain. Sometimes we have to literally go back to saying, what is it, who wants it, you know, what kind of, what's the vocabulary to talk about it, uh, and does anybody want it, right? And so that's the sort of the, the strategic part of it. And so that's where the insight specialist and the, uh, the strategist comes in. And also creative strategy is actually something that's really baked into to my studio. Uh, and I have a team that just does that. And those are the people that not only are good writers, but really help translate strategy to creative expression. Because one of the biggest issues that creative people have is being able to get direction they can do something with. And so I say, you know, not to be said, okay, make this thing red, okay? Because red is what the client wants. More said, make it romantic because we are, you know, it's a brand that's all about romance and blah, blah, blah. So that's, um, that's a key role for the creative strategist. So I say, Cater strategies both helps our team and also helps our team also, you know, communicate to the client. Yeah. So it sounds like you have a lot of translation to do yeah. in the process, right? Yeah. Um, my job's a lot easier. <laughs> I, it seems like this, there's, there's a lot that goes into this creative process. Now, I was struck, this, this is how we connected, was uh, after one of my podcasts, uh, somebody said, hey, you ought to meet Randy Herbertson. I said, Who, who's that? Because I just didn't know. And then I looked up your site and I was just intrigued. I mean, I was just, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So what I'm going to do is, and I know that this is a podcast and I, I have it both visually, I have it on YouTube and I, as well as on audio. If you're listening on audio, I'm going to try to describe it, but this is really an episode where you want to go to YouTube and you want to see things because I'm going to, I'm going to show a number of his pieces. And, and when I look at this, I, I thought, wow, you know, there's just something that spoke to me with each of these pieces. Pieces. And we're going to talk about about a dozen of them. And then we'll talk about why you went down this path. But he, so it, there's an open door and the open door goes not to like the neighborhood, but almost to like something ethereal to heaven or something. It says a change can do good. And then he has like with each one, he has a little summary about it. Um, and some are longer than others, but he kept, kept them very short. So tell me what you're trying to 
um, express here or, or what this means? So just a, a quick background. So we're looking at things that are actually on my on my blog uh, moving forward. And the short story for that is that was my early COVID project that came out of a social media post that I was asked to take down because it got a lot of traffic. And so I ended up creating a blog, uh, which is now in lots of places in social media as well. Wait but, a second. You you were asked to take it down because it got so much traffic? Yes. So I posted this actually. So creative people love Pinterest. We've got a great visual search engine. So I was on Pinterest, had a particular thing, thought, and I put something up. It got 60,000 hits in a, you know, like a day. And and I literally got an email from Pinterest saying, please take this down because you don't have it attributed anywhere. They like to have linked out to somewhere. So, and I said, okay, um, I'll do it to my, my studio. And they said, no, that doesn't work. So I had to create a blog that was contextual. And, and then from there, you know, I've posted ever since. And, you know, there are months when I get a million views. And sometimes, like, I think it's like 350 right now. But uh, it's been a fun project. But really, what it does follow, which is very much besides this whole blog is really about uh, being topical without being political. But it really follows sort of my mantra from a creative standpoint, which is two things. Number one, uh, the visual and the text should uh, absolutely speak together. Number two. Uh, they should lead you, but not uh, um, not make all the decisions for you. So, uh, for example, just even the headline here, a change can do good. I was very careful to use as few words as possible. Okay, It doesn't say a change can do you good. Uh, it says change can do good. So you uh, get to be open to interpret that sort of double entendre. I also love the fact that it does also follow an adage that people have heard of with a twist, which is also a great way to create uh, memorability. And then the visual really is designed to metaphorically speak to just that. So, you know, you think of all, you know, you think of uh, uh, semiotics, which we also think a lot about here, you know, skies and, and, and points of light certainly speak to goodness, uh, whether it is, you know, religious or otherwise. And the open door too is about change and new opportunities. Um, and really this also, the other big theme that I thought a lot about uh, over the past year and a half is, follows my sort of stoic point of view, which is what's the upside, right? Uh, what is the glass half full, not the glass half empty? You know, what have we learned uh, in a good way out of a lot of difficulty, you know? And I think a lot of that has happened. So that's really what this is all about. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, everything that you said made sense, but there was such a level of depth of why you did every little piece of this. Um, and and I almost I, I had like a dozen questions that, that came as you were talking. So when you're talking about the words or you're trying to lead them without actually giving them the answers, I'm thinking, oh, it's kind of like the Socratic method. And you were already onto something else by the time I got that that one thought going of the the colors or the or the you know the the picture or the matching the picture to the text or what I mean there's there's such expertise that went into these. That's perhaps why this grabbed me so deeply. Like, like I felt something when I saw each of these. And I think that's probably what you're going for. Exactly. You know, like they always say, you know, emotional connection is, is this, you know, rational connection is important. Emotional connection lasts, basically. Wow. Uh, and even just little silly uh, creative things, the, the tonality of this whole piece, even though it's dark, uh, has a level of warmth to it as well. Throughout that whole, even the gray is a very warm gray. So that was very purposeful. Uh, the words themselves are actually being lit by the light of the door. So that's how it all sort of connects together, which is another thing I also always try to do is to make sure that uh, where I do have text on an image, that it actually becomes part of the image. It's not just something that's slapped on top. 
Well, I am I am building more dendrites per minute than I have in almost every other interview. This is just fascinating. Okay, next one. I love this this the image here. There's a chain that is broken and it becomes the the very beginning of and it turns into doves and it, it just says one word, hope. There's a sky, there's a sun in the background. I'm just I I got I have goosebumps right now looking at the picture. I don't know why. I just I just do. So tell us about that. So this one was interesting. So this happens right about when COVID was really starting to buckle down. Okay, when we're really getting scared, when everybody was, was going home, didn't know where things would happen, no vaccine in sight yet. And and so really this again is the same thing that, you know, don't despair. You know, don't despair that we are kind of chained right now to our current situation and we're all living in some fear or concern or unknown. And but there is hope. Because again, it's the same thing. Out of bad things come good. The same thing, out of chains becomes a dove. So this is back to that overall theme that you know you can, you know, from adversity turn it into something wonderful. And again, the most hope the word just because it's the most simple thing is we don't know what it is yet, but have hope there will be something. And you know, just like in anything we do, when we actually have the confidence we can do something, we often get it done, right? Because we have the confidence there's a way there. We don't know what the way is yet, uh, but we don't lose hope. That we can't get it done. So now let's back up. And you were talking about you mentioned earlier, and I know the background a little bit, but you're talking about your COVID project. So and you started put. So tell us about the origin of doing this kind of medium of what you were doing because this is like this weird. It's different than anything. It's not a blog. It's not just a picture. It's like this little mini blog. And you started it as COVID began. Is that is that the background? Yep. So actually, if you, if you click to read more, you actually go to my blog. And I will tell you, my blog has no more than two sentences. So this has just a headline because I think um, I think that's where. But or actually, this is just the one, the one page. But uh, uh, so, but that's sort of my same thing. I don't, you know, the traditional blog has a couple of paragraphs at least, and sometimes more. And I always find when I read a blog like that, I'm drawn to something in it. There's a piece in it that I'm drawn to. And so that's the piece I want to drill down into. That little piece that is that one piece that's the only thing I really want people to take away. It's the same reason why I've got a whole couple of things I've thought about a lot that I said, oh, this could be a book. And the reality is that nah, it's better than an article. You know, I don't need to write a whole book about something just to keep telling you what I told you. So it's the same point of view here. That's really interesting. And so it it strikes me that this is like the Pareto principle. You're, you're maximizing that 20%. Um, and just casting off the rest. And maybe that's why it packs such a powerful punch. The visual images are stunning, but then there's not like a lot else there. It's just, it's just, it just packs a, a huge punch right away. Okay, let me go to the next one. The next one is, and you already referenced the glass, glass half full, and you have three glasses and it says, what is your next normal? And there's an empty glass, a half full glass and a totally full glass. And, and it, that spoke to me I, again. I cherry picked uh, a dozen of these because I was like, you know, hey, these are the ones that really grabbed me. And it didn't it didn't take. I mean, some of them I was like, oh, that's interesting, and some were like, whoa, that's cool. Yeah. So tell me about this. What what were you saying here? So interesting here. I had a uh, a client that's actually in the healthcare industry uh, who actually said in a meeting said this thing. What's our next normal? And I that just struck me. I thought, oh, that's that's something I'm going to write about. Next normal means that it's not going to be the same as our current normal. And by the way, it never is. Even without a pandemic year, 
one year to the next, something changes, it's going to be different. It's going to be normal again. So the whole decision is we being conscious about that and be conscious about not just, oh, it's going to be something on a roll, the punches, or I'm going to suffer, you know, really making decisions of, so what did I go through that's going to help me do what I do next? You know, I tell actually uh, people I mentor all the time, even a bad job, you learn good things out of it. So you may have an awful experience in a, in a, in a career, and there's something probably came out of that, not just, I don't ever want to work there again. You're going to learn something that about yourself, that how you, you came through adversity and did something different that worked. So it's the same thing here. That's right. In my line of work, it's like you learn the most from a bad boss, like what, what, at least what not to do. Right. <laughs> right? Okay. Next, Risen. And it, and it has this imagery. And, and this was around Easter. The, the brightness of the light, the what looks like the, you know, Christ tomb or a stone rolled away or something along those lines. And this one was a very long one. You, had, you cut and pasted um, a sermon. I think, uh, yeah. from someone that, that really spoke to you. And I, I went and read that. But just the imagery itself, just, right. I, I don't, why is the imagery so powerful? I mean, it just is so, I, I don't know, it just speaks. Well, again, yes, I'm a, a good uh, uh, Anglican choir boy. So yes, this was my Easter post without you know, getting overly uh, religious. But again, I, I, I did feel it spoke to sort of a, a universal truth. And obviously at that time, interestingly, you know, a lot of major religions around the world celebrate something in that season. And it was the time we really needed it too, you know, and that was actually, it was the, you know, you think back, that was the time when nothing was happening anywhere, you know, not literally meetings, no churches were meeting, everybody was doing everything on Zoom. And yeah. so the reality is though, but the season was still there. So we had to figure out a way to still say, hey, we're not doing what we did before, but that's not be any less, you know, hopeful or joyous that, that the season is here. And, and that's, that's, that's be thankful for it. Yeah. Is there anything about the color or the, how you said it, or, I mean, that it just, it, it, the thing about this, the reason I selected this one was not because, and I'm a Christian, right. But, and right. and uh, I, it's not because of that. It's just because it, it just, it was powerful and I don't understand why, but it just was powerful. So again, one of these things that this particular thing did, if you notice the way the light comes on the rock to the right and to the left, it, you, a lot of it just like this, you still see this, this crisp outline of light in the background. The light actually penetrates the rock and goes beyond it and pushes beyond it. So that was a really uh, specific choice for that. And because uh, it actually made it feel that it was all encompassing. So uh, so it, it's a very exposed image, but it actually allows us to... Uh, yeah, so feel so that light basically has a light. It's not just like oh, there's a white background. That light yeah. is coming at you and and starting to envelope in front of us. So that was how how I yeah. Out. So a, a picture speaks a thousand words, but you were explaining what those words are, where I didn't have the vocabulary to explain why it was so potent to me. Okay, this one was also just I I just I love this one. Um I <laughs> I keep saying I love this one, right? Be calm, act wisely, be patient and it shows a little I don't know what kind of I guess a weed or something pushing up through the concrete and it says pessimism won't win. We can persevere uh if we act as survivors and it just particularly in covid and now so we're just coming out of covid and i only stumbled on this like a month ago or so something along those lines so i i recognize that you were writing in that time but even now even while things are getting better i still i just I really appreciate the sentiment that of this little weed or plant or whatever just pushing up through the concrete 
So again, same thing about the fact that, you know, even the very fragile can can survive and can end through adversity. This is actually one of my most followed posts. This, there's a right. couple that actually still get consistently really, really strong traffic. And this is one. And again, this, of course, comes up the attitude we've all said, you know, uh, be calm and carry on, that whole thing. And so it, it follows that that sort of formula. However, again, these were things, again, early in COVID, I thought it was important. Yeah. So as you said, one of your most followed posts, it made me think, so why do you put these out here? So you put some on your blog. It's not just to be an artist, I would right. imagine. I mean, like you put this out, like this is a marketing piece for you, right? I mean, well, truthfully, yeah, I guess it probably is. I do put it up on LinkedIn too. And I get some, you know, one of the interesting things it's, it's, it's on LinkedIn. It's, it's done to draw. In other words, it's not like I have to just write something and say, Hey, how are you? Uh, People will see this because it goes out to my full, you know, LinkedIn audience and write me and say, wow, that's that spoke to me or and a conversation will start because of that, which is great. You know, it's a great way to to, to start a conversation. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually to be truthful. This is very uh, it's a great experience for me. It doesn't take me a huge amount of time. In fact, I usually do it on a weekend and it takes me an hour, sometimes a little longer. But I'm really fussing with the image. Uh, but the, the point is, it, it's something that I think about all week, and I sort of collect things, I write myself notes, and then I just, it comes together, you know, and I sort of say, yeah. this is it. There's, every once in a while, actually, I'll write two and save one and schedule it later, but usually it's just one. So I, I asked that, and I was going to ask this question later, but it, this this is just... Uh, a different encapsulation of the creative process. So there are people that are listening right now that want to start a blog, but they, you know, oh, I don't know if I have anything to say or no. What he just said is how it works. You think about the thing over the week and then you, it starts to formulate and you start to see things everywhere that come together as you're thinking about your blog post for that week, or uh, they want to do a podcast and the same thing. And you just get, it's, it's the same creative process. He just did this in this visual medium. That's really interesting. Um, I was thinking about sending out a one minute, uh, one minute uh, mailing about leadership, right? Uh, everything I do is I'm a professor, a management professor. I built a leadership program. Everything I do is about leadership. And so I surveyed people and asked them, well, would this be interesting? Why would this be useful? You know, if I keep it to under a minute each each post and, and then I'd have to compete with myself to make sure that I keep it under a minute and deliver what I say and that it's got enough potent, powerful, useful content that they want to come back and, and open it the next time. Right. right. So it was very parallel to what you're doing with this, you know, very uh, word uh, light, light on words, very clear, very crisp. It was parallel in that way. But when I did my blog, when I did my podcast be in, over time, I found that what you just described, the process was the same. So if you are about to, if you've been thinking about, I want to start a blog or a podcast or something, some kind of, go do it. And then you'll see that you're going to experience the the very process that he he just described, where you're thinking about it, it's on the back burner. You're you start to see things come into focus, and then wham, you have something, and that will speak to certain people. It won't speak to everybody, but it'll speak to certain people, and that's who you'll attract. Okay. At any rate, I was going to talk about that process later, but that's, this was just no, the that's that's one hundred percent right. The other thing I would just add to that, uh, Darren, is that don't feel chained or chored by your blog mm. in other words don't feel like if you just can't do it one week or you don't have time you don't okay i've i've skipped a week 
uh, because it just it, I just didn't have the, the time to do it. And it, and it should be a, a pleasure. It should be something that you're doing that you're kind of looking forward to, that you're thinking about. And when you're ready to do it, you're just sort of you uh, you, you feel good about it. Because as soon as something like this becomes a chore or a task, then it's not worth doing. That's right. It should be a labor of love, and it should help you grow and yep. expand you and help you think and become more and, and add to your catalog, whatever that is. And right. Okay. Next one. Here we go. Um, I just, I, I love the visual here. It says, uh, do the ends justify the means? And it has a guy kicking over a small block, which is kicking over a larger block and a larger block and a larger block. And when you get to the end, that, that huge block is going to crush the guy on the other end. Right. Tell so me. So this one really, again, came at a time when we were uh, getting sort of what we call the uh, the group hysteria uh, mm -hmm. happening, where people realize even that, you know, a small voice turns into a bigger voice and it becomes destructive. And so that was really what this this one was was about, was, that, was the fact that even think that, oh, I don't make a difference. So if I say something, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's the opposite of people saying, oh, my vote doesn't matter. The truth is one voice does matter. And that can start a catalyst to something. So it should be something that 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 makes sense. You know that that it is a positive thing rather than a negative thing. You know, just the same thing when someone says uh, something. You know, people say, "Oh, you said something that really bothered me three years ago, and I've never gotten over it." So it's being really mindful about anything you do. Is you know that you know do the ends justify the means? You know, you may have felt good in the moment you said something because you want to get it off your chest, but did it really really serve any purpose beyond that? So they, they call this, you know, where we're putting this stuff on social media, it, it, a better term might be uncivil media. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it seems like that's how that works. Like people come out of the woodwork to criticize like that would never say anything to your face. And it's just it's fascinating to see how that works. Let, let me ask you one more question as we're on this. It strikes me that while this was set in a time where, you know, everybody was kind of at each other and. Uh, it, it seems like art, tell me if I'm wrong, like art's like kind of a U2, like a U2 lyric <laughs> where you can read whatever you want into it and it can still meaningfully speak to you. Right. The intent of the artist isn't the end, end of all of the, the picture. It's like your experience coming into and playing and having a conversation with whatever you put together. Is that, is that fair? 100% right. It's open for your interpretation. Um, and that's completely the point. And that's just why I, I like using metaphorical visuals because people will take them in different ways. Yeah, and, and so come their own conclusions. But the most important thing is that you'll ask yourself a question, hopefully, and think about it. So, what does this mean to me? How does this apply to me uh, to what I do? And so, I'm not trying to preach to people. I'm not trying to tell them to do something. I'm just trying to get them to think. That's the whole point. So it gets me to think. So when yeah, and and that and when uh, when I'm looking at this. Through my lens as a management professor, I'm seeing the the boss on the left and the poor employee that's about to be crushed by the chain of events that he's kicking over. Whether he knows that that's going to happen or not is, I mean, that's what's. So other people will see it differently, but that's how I experience it. So we're having this weird conversation with your art and my my thinking, yeah. and yeah, okay. At any rate, that's that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Next one. <laughs> what is your essential? And it has a uh, a monarch butterfly that the butterfly wings are separating, and the the I don't know what that is. The body of the the center body of the thing is just taking off like a rocket. Yeah. I just thought that was so cool. I I don't know how you how do you illustrate something like that? Like how do you create that? 
So a lot of this is composited from other things. And I just sort of have an idea and I'll put it together. Uh, that was literally a composite of a couple of different images that I just sort of thought about. But it, and, and truthfully, I will tell you the way I'm always doing this is that I write first and visualize second. Hmm. Um, and because the words usually then, and, 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 and then as I'm thinking about it, it sort of just sort of comes to me. And, you know, again, I'll look at other things that are out there. And so, and something will, will strike me. Uh, that will speak to it. But again, the whole point is I want it to be something that's powerful in some way, and sometimes powerful in its minimalism, but powerful in some way that actually will create people's attention, get their attention, and then actually make them go, huh, okay, so what is that doing? And what does that mean to me? And again, it's a back thing about, you know, tying it into the uh, to, to the words as well. And this one actually was so powerful, I didn't even put any words on the image itself. I just said, that's already speaking a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the phrase that you just used, powerful in its minimalism. I, I think sometimes we try too hard. And right. in trying too hard, we water down whatever our main message is. When and that could be in a blog. That could be in a podcast, like whatever right. it is. Um, so, yeah, that's it. But it just it just spoke to me. Like, what what is the, what's your core? What What's your your big idea? That kind of thing. OK. Is your bias constructive or hurtful? And it has the. Um, I don't even know, like the, the, the judges scales and somebody has a balloon that's kind of pushing up the, the scale on one side. So it's no longer even. Uh, and I just again, this was just powerful. It was it's a visceral um, picture. I, 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 I get it. I don't know how to describe it exactly, but I can see. Yeah. Bias ha has an effect on the scales of justice. I can see that and I can feel it even if I can't quite describe it. Right. So this, this happened about the time of the, all the, uh, the George Floyd stuff happening, uh, mm -hmm. which again, I was, you know, obviously, you know, on top of the pandemic, we had all that come to the surface. And, uh, and the same thing, as much as I didn't want to, to, to preach people about my point of view, I wanted people to think about theirs. I mean, what was really something really powerful to me, we all sat through a lot of, you know, DEI discussions after that point. Uh, mm -hmm. in every Zoom call and stuff like that. And I was really struck by a woman who is, you know, a Colombian woman who's, I was sitting on a board with me with small kids. And she said something that really, really stuck with me. And she says, you know what? Uh, as much as that you look at it, I just realized that there are things that I do every day that are biased, you know, that I don't even think about, that are just sort of part of my norm. I don't pay attention. I'm not conscious of them. And so I can say, oh, I'm not a prejudiced person. I don't, you know, you know, you know but I do, you know, and she, it is uh, really, really struck me because we all realize, oh, I'm not that person, but there's things ingrained in what we do personally uh, that are. And so just being conscious of them and trying to change those, you know, and uh, yeah, and I think that's through all the, the DEI discussions that have happened um, throughout the months. Those are the things that really stuck with me. So I think one of the things that was interesting was that it wasn't somebody weighing down the scale. It was a balloon pushing up the scale like a helium balloon the person's hanging on to and it's pushing up the scale was there a conscious choice of why yeah. so, so this is back to my glass half full uh moving forward idea is that at uh you know it the the right point of view can be constructive so bias isn't necessarily by itself a word a negative word okay so that's one of those things that we you know 
from our language turns thing turn things into a one way or another isn't necessarily so it can be constructive right so so that's again back to the thing of the oh, I never thought about it you know that that's the whole point of, of, of doing that is you say you're biased okay okay is that a maybe I am and, and, and they say it from a negative standpoint but maybe that I'm biased in a good way I'm biased for instance like and um, towards buying things that are sustainable okay I, I, I absolutely biased I will choose something that's sustainable or not purposely I'm biased for that okay I'm not saying if you're if you're not that you know well, I will say that's probably wrong, but it's, it's it's not that. But that is my bias. So you know, I I just using what we use in the English language or in any language, and realizing there's always two sides to it. I feel so dumb because I understood it, but I couldn't explain it. I I think that's that's probably true for a lot of people where they just they they see it or they they can get this and they understand it, but I don't know that I could have explained what you just said yeah. with the balloon image and but I but I got it. it 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 resonated with me for some reason okay here's the next one resilience and it has a wrecking ball smashing into a a human brain just just a human brain just like the the weird um, I don't even know how to describe it you know just got there Kind of, yeah, cerebellum, right. And it's just smashing into it and it says resilience. Tell me about that. So uh, this one was a fun one. Yeah, so this was the sort of idea is that we were getting bombarded, right, with all sorts of things that wanted to bring us down. And you know, this is a time when there was a lot of press about people are, are, you know, suicides going up, people are in despair, you know, they're, and basically what really is that they're, they're listening to the news all day long. And what are the numbers? What are the numbers? Da, da, da. And so it's really said, I said, we're controlled by our brains. So if we are resilient, we're stronger than things that are coming at us. If we use conscious thought and don't just let it, let it take us down. Because again, I know, and we all know so many people who are literally frozen uh, in fear and in the, the sort of, you know, uh, uh, maniacal way of just simply watching numbers, you know, and listening to everything everybody said. That was that was negative. Uh, that was uh, that was fearful, and so that was the point of that. I I I think we were in that place for months on end, just feeling that like it's almost like. So I I'm, I'm not sure where you live uh, exactly. I live in in South Carolina, and so we get hurricanes periodically. And when a hurricane comes, it's all this hurry up and wait motion. Like I have to get everything out of the yard. I got to get the, the car, the garage clean so I can get a car in the garage. I got, I, I have to do all that stuff. And then I'm just kind of glued to the TV. Like what's about to happen. Is it a cat three or is it going up to a cat four or down to a cat two? What's, what's going on? Do I need to get out of town? What? And I just feel stuck. And I felt stuck in 2020 for months. And so I guess that's why this just, really spoke so so yeah. eloquently with only one word yeah thank you and again that's sort of the point is that you know we uh we all uh well i hope to think that i didn't waste a lot of time every it's always good to waste a little bit of time by the way we, we, we all should waste a little time every week if it's important to waste some time but i think uh, a lot of us wasted a lot of time just because we weren't on the grind of our schedule, we were saying we were worried, et cetera, is to just be resilient and use your time. You know, and, and that's the thing. We've heard of so many wonderful stories, people who did something they would never have done because all of a sudden they had a situation where they weren't commuting or whatever and they could do it. And that's the part that we you know, feel good about. It. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be like, oh, I became a master chef you know, during COVID. 
You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that extensive. It could be like, hey, I started to read books again. Great. There's something that you can say you did. Yeah. Okay. So next one. Uh, <laughs> again, maybe this is my management uh, background, but it just spoke to me. It's It, it, it has... I guess um, there's a little figure of a man climbing what looks like stairs. There are pieces on the bottom, like he's created the stairs out of these little wood chips and there, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, are you going to add another stair or is it going to fall apart? What is it? It says a year of recalibration. So talk to me about this one. So this was back to the, the theme of saying that we are going to come out of this and adapt and do things in a new way. A positive way and part of that and this my favorite was the creative don't list and again i read that somewhere I, that stuck with me and i said i'd include that as part of it so we all create the to-do list but what are we going to stop doing you know what are we going to stop doing that we uh probably should not do or shouldn't do and uh, and that's just what like if we're as christian saying during lent we're going to give up you know drinking it's uh creating things consciously that we don't really need to do anymore or that we shouldn't do anymore um, and they can be small things, they can be big things. But uh, I think this, again, is the perfect example, and I think smart people did this, is use this time to think, okay, how am I going to change? You know, Maybe I hate what I'm doing, I'm going to do something different. Maybe I love what I'm doing, and I'm going to re-engage with it. You know, I, One of the quick things that I talk a lot about with our client base is I sort of put them in three categories. We have the clients that basically just put their head in the sand and said, wake me when it's over. And we didn't hear from them for an entire year and they just froze, right? There was the second group who got insanely busy because whatever they did was very important in COVID and so, or became important because people had time. We have a client in the sewing business and their business tripled. Uh, And so they just got really, really busy. And as a result, they had to start doing new things because they were out of the old things, right? So they had to come up with new things. And the third group, which is really was my favorite, the group said, you know what? We're a little slower right now. So let's use this time to do the things we keep saying we don't have time to do. Let's start working on new products, new ideas, new service yeah. and things. Let's use this time really well. Because you know what? Our business is slow in these other areas. And so let's do this and really plan for a future. And of course, that's the group that's coming out of it. smell like a rose, right? Because they've yeah. pipelined things and things have gotten moving and they've really used that time uh, to make things productive. The first group, which is waking up now, is like going, oh, my God, I lost a year. I lost a year. I've got to make up for a year. i got to compare myself to 2018. You know, so it's, you know, it's it was the exceptional opportunity we had. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And you, as you were talking about the, uh, the, the don't do list, um, Brian Tracy talks about if you have priorities, you by default have posteriorities. And you need to understand the world that way. And that just that phrase made so much sense to me in the same way that the pictures make sense to me. I mean, it just, oh, yeah, I get it. And it's, yeah. Okay, let's uh, move on to the next one. Winning is not uniting. And it has two hands, one on top of the other. And this one just spoke, again, viscerally because, like, yeah, even if I win, I lose. Like, uh, um Dale Carnegie talks about, like, don't win an argument, (laughs) right? Because if you win, you lose. So I think that's where you're going. But you tell me what you were saying with this. So this, this, of course, is now moving into election time period or closer to it or heading that direction. And and really, it's the reality is that no matter what side you're on, there's always some desire to win, to be the victor, right? But is that really a victory? 
you know, like, like I said, if there is a future, if someone wins, someone loses, and someone's not going to be happy, someone's going to try to disrupt, we're trying to make a change. And so we waste a lot of time with the whole thought of winning versus what is, and it's not even the word compromise. It's, you know, although it is compromise, it's finding that unified point. So like in any argument, there's something we all agree on, right? So how can we take that piece we agree on and build on it rather than focus on the things we don't agree on? Um, yeah. And, and truthfully, you know, I think positive signs of some things like that happening right now uh, in various places and some that are not. And by the way, it's not to say, oh, it's the progressives. Oh, it's the libertarians. Uh, whatever. It's a little bit of everybody. Right. And so the whole point gets me is building from the middle, basically, which doesn't mean where we compromise means well, what do we all agree on first? Yeah. And then let's build out from there. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And, and you could kind of what you just described, you could kind of feel in the in the picture okay i have two more uh i told you i had a dozen i i was uh i had a baker's dozen so there's actually 13 here what is your usp now i know what a usp is and it has these cogs and, and these all these interrelated cogs and one of the cogs is a golden cog and it just spoke to me because i again in my world this you know cog in a machine kind of thing nobody wants to feel like that and and so it's just i could feel something here and i like the idea i know what a usp is um and i i understand you should focus on that thing that you are like um we probably don't want to trade places uh i don't know how you would be as a as a management professor but i know how i would be doing what you're doing and i would be terrible um so you have certain skills that are just they're golden i don't have those i don't possess those so talk talk to me about this picture so I would tell you that, and, and, and I actually have a little uh, thing that I've written about, like I said, what, what's your creative DNA? I think everybody has that in them. So I think where some people can actually do it in a certain way, everybody does it in some way. And that's mm -hmm. sort of the, the, the point of this is that uh, everybody has a, uh, a, a unique position in the world, right? And it's, it's the combination of your skills and experiences. And how those come together, like I said, are, are golden because they're they're you, all right. And so people it, people spend a lot of time trying to say either, oh, I'm not like so and so, I can't do that. I'm going to be self depreciating, or um, I do this instead. And that's sort of the point of this is that everybody has that. And it's funny because I talk about this a lot when I'm as I'm putting together um, my team uh, for my studio. I really look for not just diversity from a DEI standpoint, diversity the way people's brains think, you know, mm -hmm. and because I think it's the old classic, you know, one plus one is equals three, you know, is that people who are have a certain way of looking at a problem uh, and people look at a different way at a problem will come together if they're conscious of the fact they have a different way they think about a problem together with a whole new solution. So one person's big picture, one person's detail-oriented. Perfect. The big picture person will inspire the detail-oriented person, uh, and they'll all come together if they're conscious that, that they're different in the way they're approached the, the uh, situation. But knowing yourself is is the, the core component to that. Like, you have to yeah. know what – like, I, I can talk. <laughs> I have no problem with that, but I couldn't do the art kind of thing that I just I that's just not me but I know what my USB is and I'm not trying to stray from that I'm not trying to be you okay okay this is my absolute favorite this is the one this next one that I'm about to show you this is the last one and it's the one that made me go I got to talk to this guy okay this this was great and you'll understand why when you you know my background is a management professor 
Ah, oh, this yeah. it, it says what makes an enduring leader, and it has uh, about a half dozen pawns. And because of the camera's angle, you see a crown in the shadow. And I just thought I, I have goosebumps talking about it right now. Right? I mean, there's just something so right about that when you empower, when you see people, when you when you see the value that's there as opposed to seeing them as pawns. So tell me about what you were thinking with this. So th this was building off of, again, uh, something that has always been one of my favorite explanations, which is the description of the extrinsic versus the intrinsic leader. The extrinsic leader leads by force, the intrinsic leader leads by inspiration, right? And so the class they say is Hitler and Jesus, right? You know, who, who had the more enduring long-term impact on the world? Uh, so, so that's really what this is about, is that you, you can lead by force or direction, you know, the authoritarian and the way you do things and say, because it's my way or the highway, or if you don't do this, something punitive is going to happen. Versus mm -hmm. saying, you know what? You make your decision. This is the way I, I believe in why I'm going to go for it. Are you coming with me? Mm -hmm. um, and the truth is, those kinds of leaders are the leaders that endure. You know, the leaders that, and you know, it's not just about creating a legacy, but create a much more powerful impact in, in the world. And obviously, yeah, this, and that also comes because the power doesn't come from the individual. The power comes from everybody together that make that the movement. And so that's, I, I agree, this image, uh, which actually I found is it just spoke to that perfectly. Um, and it also did it in sort of a natural way. It did, because it, exactly like you said, this is a uh, this is not a composite. This is absolutely what happened with the shadow of those ponds that turned yeah. into the ground. So, that, I mean, it just, wow. Like the, you see the value that's really in there that uh, it just, Wow. Okay. I want you to tell us like what it is that you do. Like, so um, beyond creating these images, like your, your day job, like what, how, how do you help your clients? What, what exactly do you do and how they can reach you if they're interested in uh, reaching out, connecting, finding out how you can serve them? So uh, um, we, you know, the visual brand, which is my company, is like I said, is really as we call ourselves a you know, if we're being fancy, we say an innovation studio, but I like calling us just a new products and services studio. Uh, and what we really do is we work with all different kinds of clients, you know, small ones, big ones, uh, helping them do something new. And that usually means that they that they they either want to get to something that will be could be the future of the business mm -hmm. or that they're trying to solve something that they've already sort of started to think about, but need to take it to the next level. And our team is very, you know, split, like I said, strategically and creatively. We do a lot of uh, uh, creative work here. Interestingly enough, one of our uh, really subspecialties is information design, because uh, that is our firm into itself, doing great information design, you know, taking something very complex and making it simple. We work in some instances with some engineers who give us these crazy, wacky looking drawings. And we say, how do we turn this into something that whoever you're trying to sell this to, whether it's a consumer or an investor or, you know, a government, that they, they will understand it. So uh, that's really what, what, what we do. And um, we, like I said, it's funny. We have clients sometimes that are private equity who said, hey, we're buying this company and they don't know. They've got a great idea. They don't know how to, you know, turn it into something that is be consistent and be out there. And we work sometimes with big companies that, like you said, it's, it's funny in big companies, we often work with the innovation department if that exists and that usually comes in and out of style. It'll be in style for a while. And I said, oh no, we're not gonna do that for a while. We're gonna do it, we're gonna move that into marketing. So, but, but again, the smart companies that are enduringly are always thinking about what else can we be? What else can we do? 
Um, and then in last and in suspicious service areas, we work with companies who know they're on a macro trend. Like we have a, a, a client in the, uh, actually in the utility field who is digitizing utilities, right? That seems like a simple statement, but it's not. And it involves lots of different things. They know it's not a small change, not just from an infrastructure standpoint, but from a point of view, an attitude standpoint and, and a communication standpoint. So uh, that's our charge to look at them that way. How do people get a hold of you if they want to work with you or uh, understand more of your processes? Uh, I, I'm sure you have a website and contact information. Sure. So the website is thevisualbrand.com. And uh, I am Randy at thevisualbrand.com. And All right. uh, be happy to hear from anybody. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I always end every episode with a quotation for contemplation. And as I was thinking about branding, I, I came across a, a, a quote by Steve Forbes, who said, your brand is the single most important investment you can make in your business. And, and that makes that makes a lot of sense. When you think Steve Forbes, you you have a, a particular picture of what he's all about. Just like when you think of somebody else, when you think of Tim Ferriss, you think of this. When you think of Steve Forbes, you think of that. When you yeah, think yeah. of um, Joe Biden, you think of something different than when you think of Trump. So, yeah, yeah your brand is important. And, uh, yeah, I can't stress that enough. Okay, I always give or try to always give the final word to the guests. Anything else that you want to say about anything that we covered here uh, for the audience? I think the only thing I would say, which is follows my theorem, which is uh, uh, don't look backward, look forward. Yeah, that's powerful. Hey, man, thanks so much for coming on the sure. show. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Much. I, I have learned so much in a short period of time about how and why these things just spoke to me at such a, such a deep level. And, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, likewise, so much. Thank you, Darren. Thank you.